Welcome to an all-new episode of Fast Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Cummins, at Logan Cummins on Twitter. On today's episode, I try to make friends with writer Jiffy Wild faster than I streamed the new 98 Degrees album this morning. Hi, I'm Logan Cummins. I'm a former pro wrestling creative, a mediocre stand-up comedian, and a ranch-dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests. Sometimes it works. Other times, not so much. Jiffy, welcome to the Fast Friends Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, very high demand for this podcast. Um, cause like you said, not that many exist in the world. So it's, we're so yeah. lucky that we get to do this. <laughs> how is your, how's your week going? It's, it's splendid. We are, we are at Friday, which is great. I'm, um, yeah. you know, I don't know if I told you, uh, I recently moved out of LA. Oh um, no. Yeah, but it's been wonderful. I, I move. I, I grew up in Arizona, so we we are my wife and I and our family were kind of like one of those COVID reshufflers where we were just yeah. like all of our family and everybody we know was in Arizona, and it's so close to LA. And I've been very blessed and lucky to um, still be you know working as much as I have, um, you know, but mostly just remotely. Yeah. So you're you just you took the plunge and went back to Arizona. Yeah, it's been amazing. I have to tell you, man. I, I, I love LA. Uh, I spent twenty years there. I love the Dodgers, go blue. But I just, it's, it's a, it's a fatiguing place to live. Yeah, and very expensive. Yes, sure, sure. Are you, um, are you in Tucson? Yeah, yeah. That's or right. near? Okay, I knew yeah. that. Okay, right on, right on. Well, good for you. Um, I. <laughs> we moved to the suburbs also during COVID. Um, oh, nice. So, uh, or right, I guess after, what do we call this? What wave are we in now? 16? What variant? COVID? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So we moved in May. Um, we had had, it, you know, it's, and I got a, a different position at work that put me in a different uh, geography. So I have to drive to Wisconsin daily. And Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So we're a little, we're north now. Um, but yeah, it's nice to have space. And I can imagine for you guys, like if you have family and stuff there with kids, like it's probably so much nicer to have like a network of people around. Um, it's un- it's life changing. Yeah, no, we have yeah. four grandparents for the kids. So it's like the first time in our life, my wife and I can go out on a date night and we just like drop the kids off at our parents and that's amazing. Like, you take them and it makes yeah. our date night like $80 <laughs> cheaper because we're not paying someone to sleep on our couch. Of course. Yeah, of course. And you don't have to order buttered noodles at the restaurant, probably. <laughs> With Parmesan. Yeah, of that course, is, of course, yeah. yeah. Wow, you really know that. You know your way around the kids' menu. It's either buttered noodles, <laughs> I, chicken fingers, or a cheeseburger with just cheese and meat, and that's it. Yeah, I would eat all three of those things, by the way. Uh, so. <laughs> so would I. 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 You know how many times I go to like a restaurant, and I just like, once this, the, the food is served, I just like... Am eyeing my kids like chicken tendies? And I'm just like, mm-hmm. man, that's just like, why is that unacceptable for me to order? Like, why do I have to have yeah. this like pasta with too many vegetables in it? Like, I want right. chicken tendies and ranch. Yeah. 
I'm with you, honestly. It's I feel like there are times um, too where it's like you'll go somewhere and it's incredibly expensive, and then you walk away being like, I mean, I could have been just as happy with a ten dollar like burger from somewhere. Yeah. So. Well, I am. Uh, I'm really glad to hear that you made the move to Tucson. That's um, good for you guys, um, dude. Uh, I don't know if you have listened to the Summer of Ninety Eight Degrees remixes album. I don't know. You don't strike <laughs> me as a Ninety Eight Degrees guy, maybe, but uh, it's there's there's a lot going on in that on that. Really? Album. So did it really just drop today? It did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's you, um, it's not. It's like old songs that are remixed. Oh, and I don't know. Okay. Like, okay. For people that listen to the podcast, you know that I love 98 Degrees. You know that I love Nick Lachey. He's from Cincinnati. I would take a bullet for him. Um, I don't know. There's something about being, like, as old as I am and, like, I uh, I can't do remixes. And he's, you know. Do they sound different? or Because sometimes the song will sound the same. They just kind of, like, remaster it so it's a little louder and the bass is heavier. Or is it, like, a different song? It's like a different song from what I've yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not here for that. No. No, and it's like, you know, it's like and I'm like, okay, we're like we're well in our 40s. Like some of the 90 yeah. degrees guys are a little more north than me. This is not doing anything to help my case of getting uh Nick Lachey to come on this podcast though, by the way. So, I should probably I, Oh, okay. Shut no, no, it down. I'm, sh- I'm sure it's wonderful and it is they should <laughs> with with global warming, they should change their name to like something a little hotter now, like you know, 99 degrees or, you know, they should just, if they want to stay with the times, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What what does 98 degrees even refer to? Is that like the, the, the temperature of your mouth? Like from those, those commercials I used to see. I don't really actually know what's behind their name. Like, I don't know how they ever settled on 98 degrees. If he comes on, I'm going to ask him first question. And then you got to text me. Okay. I'll just, I'll I'll just, I'll just be like Kenny, just like listening to the podcast with a dark camera. There he is. There yeah. he is. They'll be like, oh, yeah, there'll be four squares on that podcast recording. And I'll be like, never mind, Jiffy. He's just here to find out where your name is. And then as soon as he answers, I'll log off and that's it. And you're done. Well, yep. I was going to say, like, I know that you're doing writing and movies and stuff like that, too. You know, origin stories are big now. So maybe we can make like a 98 degrees origins. If you want to collab on that, you can hit me up. You, oh, you know what's so funny? You're jogging my memory. So my buddy and I, this is probably like five or six years ago um we wrote a a pilot episode for a tv show about a um um a singer songwriter who can't get it going and Mm -hmm. um his manager's kind of like tanking in his career too in his marriage and and they decide you know the only way to kind of like and the the singer songwriter is kind of aging and and they decide let's just like how hard can it be to like start a boy band? Like not uh, like I'll write all the songs, you manage them. We'll just handpick them and do this formulaic thing and put it together. And so, um, the, uh, my buddy and I who wrote it, we reached out to, um, God, now I'm forgetting his name. He was in 98 degrees and he was like, you know, he did a, a zoom meeting with us and he was ready to like jump on board as, and, and attach himself to our project. Um, he was the, um, just it's name Jeff. It's gotta be Jeff. Yep. It's Jeff. Does he live in Vegas? Jeff or Timmons. Jeff yeah, Timmons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. He was such yeah. a nice guy. And he was just like, you know, we were like, we would love to have a little authenticity. Someone who knows that world knows the boy band knows what it's like to kind of like, you know, 
come up in that world. And he was like, I love it, guys. Yeah, let's do it. And then like everything in Hollywood, it just it found a spectacular way to just go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ugh. Okay, so yes, I knew it was Jeff because like why? I don't know. Like, cause Nick is like, Nick is the one that's like taken off the most, mm-hmm. you know, like he's doing things yeah. like mass singer and hosting shit. And yeah, he um, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have responded to us. We knew yeah. our, we uh, well, knew. not, yeah. And he Drew is back in Cincinnati, you know, Drew Lachey. Yeah, so sure, Jeff yeah. seemed like the logical choice because the other guy, Justin is just kind of, he's like a, a recluse. Like you don't really hear anything about him. So yeah, I don't even know how you would find him. I don't honestly. even know how we found Jeff. I can't remember, but he, like I said, he was very approachable and he was very, very nice and smart and ready yeah. to roll. And then we dropped the ball. But that's that's yeah. my life. Well, he does like he does like music. I mean, he does like producing and stuff for mm-hmm. other artists. And yeah, um, I actually have emailed him about coming on this podcast. I'm sure he just hasn't gotten back to me. He's just gotten gotten around to responding yet. That's probably what's happening. Just tell him you wrote a pilot and uh, you need his his authenticity. Uh, yeah. And he'll respond. Awesome. That's a great strategy. I'll have to set up a fake <laughs> Gmail account because I've already emailed him once. And then so just I'll have to come up with like account. an alter ego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, um, like I said, thank you for coming on and doing the podcast. Uh, just to give you an overview of how it works, it's called the Fast Friends Podcast. So um, in you know a short amount of time, I'm basically trying to go through a couple different rounds and just say, you know, hey, um, do you feel like we have chemistry? That's what I'll ask at the end. Like, would we be friends? Like if I sent you a friend request, would you accept it? That's basically the premise. So the first round will be, uh, just stuff that I have found or know about you already, like career kind of stuff, like things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of asking questions. The second will be uh, a segment called five for five where we'll ping pong back and forth with five questions. And then for the third round, we'll actually use this, uh, paper fortune teller. Um, to reveal an activity that will be the third activity and we'll just go from there. Do you have any questions? No, I'm just excited to see how it ends. If I want to friend you at the end or not. Yeah. Well, you know, stakes are high. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited to see how this goes. Yeah, me too. I, um, I don't know though, you know, like we do, Liz and I get to Arizona a few times, so we could probably swing down and see you. We're always good at Phoenix. You know, we're like Scottsdale people. Do you go see comedy shows out there? Sometimes, yeah. Um, one of my, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're friends. We're acquaintances, maybe. Um, one of this guy that I know, he's a professional wrestler that also does comedy, and he lives in Phoenix. Um, his name is Dolph Ziggler. That's his wrestling name. Um, I know he him. Does stand-up comedy. Yeah, he's great. Well, I don't know him, know him, but I know him through. Do you know Sarah Tiana? Oh, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She, I think she's good friends with him and I've worked with her on some things and, and she always yeah. spoke so highly of him. Yeah. I um, only know her through him. Well, I mean, I know of her through him as well because they do those shows together. So. Oh, okay. See, I'm, I'm, I'm so like the fact that they do shows is like, I, I've been off of Twitter and, and Instagram and Facebook and I never was on TikTok. I, I just, for like mental health reasons... I just got off everything like maybe a year and a half ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, uh, yeah, it's been wonderful. I mean, occasionally I'll like, I'll I'll have like some late night thought of like a tweet. And I think it's so great Mm -hmm. that I I break my my silence and I'll just like, so I I didn't make anything inactive. I just don't ever go to it. But I'll be like, oh, this one, this one I have to. And then I, I tweet it and four people like it. And I realize why it's a hellhole and why I don't need to be there anymore. 
it is a real um, struggle. Like, I'm proud of you for doing that. I have zero willpower. I, I don't know what it is. Um, it's uh, it's honestly just like a huge time suck, though. And oh, then I get yes. like emotional, especially Facebook, man, with like friends and family. And they're like the polar, you know, it's just too much. It's it's too much. It is. Well, you find what I found myself doing is I go to Instagram, scroll for 20 minutes, go to Twitter, scroll for 20 minutes, go to Facebook, scroll for 20 minutes. And then you start all over again. And I realized like after like a few cycles of that, I've, I've spent maybe an hour and a half just like laying there scrolling and I'm not any better off. I'm usually worse off. I'm usually like angry about Mm -hmm. something that doesn't matter to me, has no implications on my life, but I'm really worked up about it. And so I just decided like, man, what if I was writing during that hour and a half? Like think Mm -hmm. of how much better or reading or walking or doing pushups, like how much better would my life be if I just substituted that mindless thumb scrolling with something yeah. more productive and my life, uh, hasn't gotten any better really, but I think it still could. <laughs> you had me until you said pushups. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't do a damn one single pushup. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I often fantasize about how much better life would be if I could just leave it all behind and here I sit scrolling still. So, and you can though, it's all, you have the power. <sighs> I know you're like he man. Yeah. Kind of. That's, <laughs> Honestly, I get that a lot. So. That, that you're like He-Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's uncanny. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I'll start with round one and just kind of jump into some of the questions that I have, just kind of talk through life and career and family and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think you're originally from Tucson, right? Is that accurate? That's accurate. Awesome. Have you, this is very random because I know that they're not super close together, but have you ever stood on a corner in Winslow, Arizona? <laughs> that's a great question i i don't think i have but okay. i have had seven women on my mind yeah um, of course of course that's just every day <laughs> um i have a friend that took a picture with like a statue of a guy standing on the corner in winslow arizona um so i don't know it's one of those things where it's like a dumb like tourist bucket list thing where i'm like one of these days i need because like i said in normal times, we typically come to Arizona maybe once or twice a year. Um, mm-hmm. and we've done like Sedona, Scottsdale, all that, you know, that kind of stuff, but, um, never made it to Winslow either. So, it's you know, there's some, goals. there's some gems down South, a little place called Bisbee. Uh, you can yeah. go to tombs, tombstone and see a little fake Cowboys shootout. You know, it's I fun. love that. Yeah, yeah. I love shit like that. Um, like, you know, when people look at like those tourist brochures and they're like, who the hell would do this this like Mm -hmm. in this who would come to city x and waste their time doing this me (laughs) yeah i will that's and you know what if you have one of those machines where you can crank out a penny with the engraved like stretches the penny and put yep i'm definitely Mm -hmm. gonna have that too i have a collection (laughs) of those um that's awesome cool yeah (laughs) what uh what was life like for you growing up in in uh tucson what were you like as a kid there um i was a um pretty avid soccer player mm-hmm. um i did do um like acting as a kid there's this there's like this one theater workshop here in in tucson that is like you know takes itself pretty seriously and puts on relatively serious plays and and would you the kids would audition for things as things go through um like westerns and stuff um and i uh you know had a little bit of success like i um you know booked like a gap ad and and um mm. i was remember that remember that western young writers 
Mm-hmm. I was um, yeah. Uh, I was like the the, the 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 finalist for one of the characters in their flashbacks. Um, but like I had to miss soccer practice to go to some auditions and mm. my friends just kind of made fun of me and I was like, yeah, it's pretty stupid. And so I just like quit it all together to focus on soccer. Um, yeah. But now I wonder, I could have been a child actor if I would have told them to suck it. You could have been, you could have been. Do you so? do you have a copy of the gap ad? No, no. no. Hmm. Too bad. I had a, <laughs> I had a coworker that um, was a child, I guess actor slash model, and he was on, um, like a, like a Pampers. He was one of the oh, babies wow. on a Pampers oh, baby. pack. That's that's a really child yeah. actor. Oh yeah, his parents like. They were like, we accidentally, no, I'm kidding. They didn't accidentally have him as a kid, but they were like, we're going to milk this. And so they, no, they got him in like, and he's on this. I remember as an adult, he was saying like, I invested all the money from my like Pampers days and like bought a house in Chicago. And so it's like, you know, he's, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know how many it's Pampers too. So it was pretty big. Who knows? He also was the same person. Uh, He was a, when they were doing the Home Alone movie series and Macaulay Culkin like didn't do it anymore, mm-hmm. he was the runner up to be the new Kevin McAllister. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing! But didn't make it. Yeah, his life could have been vastly different too. Yeah, because everybody knows <sighs> the the other Kevin McAllister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but what if what if Joey would have been like maybe it would have been different if Joey was playing Kevin? It probably not. Been, but probably not. Well, now here's not. the question, and you probably can't answer this because you're friends with Joey. I find that like when they pick really cute babies for things, they grow up funny looking. Is he kind of funny looking now? Um, not funny looking <laughs> now, but I can see, I can see how he was probably a really, really cute baby. Yeah. Fair enough. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's, that's nice. You're I don't know. I don't know if Joey listens to this or not. Maybe he did peak at like six months. <laughs> Some people do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's fine. It's it's better than to not peak at all, I guess. Yeah. Um, so when you were when you were like playing soccer, did you was that like where you were like this is what I want to do? Like I want to be a soccer player, or like no. this is my path to college, or like? No, I hate. I I actually kind of like. I didn't hate soccer. I liked, and I was on very good teams, like you know state championship teams and traveling mm-hmm. teams and. And it was year round. I think I resented that it was year round and that I couldn't do Mm. anything else. You know, the things I wanted to do was make movies. And so Mm -hmm. I ended up doing that a lot in my free time with the few friends that, you know, weren't soccer players, my, my film nerd friends. And we, so like, I think I realized like by the end of high school that like, you know, that's what I wanted to do. Not, Mm -hmm. you know, play soccer. Yeah. Did you like... Um, did you do a lot of like of your own little projects and things like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched the Goldbergs, but like Adam Goldberg is always like recording shit and like, that's the premise of that show. But like, you know, we had like camcord. Well, I didn't cause we didn't have a lot of money, but like people had camcorders as we mm-hmm. were growing up. Did you like work on stuff like that? Or were you just like, you always had a visions for things that you wanted that in your mind, or you just were like, I want to do this, but I haven't done it. Oh no, we, making movies. we made like dozens you know okay and i lived out in the sticks so it's like we had a great backdrop of desert you know saguaro cacti and rolling foothills and washes and and so we would i mean yeah we would take an old camcorder out there i mean it's just 
It, it baffles me how easy it would be for my kids to make a movie. I mean, they could right. just shoot it and edit it on an iPhone. It would be 4K and amazing. Ours yeah. looked like hell. And we had to <laughs> um, edit everything by putting two VCRs together and hooking them up and then pressing pause and record on one as the other one plays. So that that's how we cut. And we did sound effects by plugging a, a Nintendo into it, just the audio cable. And like, so if there was a fight scene, we would go to like Street Fighter and press the buttons for punches and stuff or gunshots. And we'd have to just time it to what we are, what we had shot. Um, so it was pretty, pretty fancy high tech stuff. And yeah. obviously these films are great. Yeah. And, you and <laughs> yeah, they did, they did a lot for my career, but I, I loved it though. I loved it. Of course. And honestly, that's like super innovative. Like I, cause I do remember doing like the record pause, like and hooking up multiple VCRs. Sure. Um, I don't think I ever would have thought to like hook up a Nintendo and record the audio. From that. <laughs> so like, yeah, that's some like next level shit. Yeah, that is. Yeah. It, <laughs> oh it, man. It was pretty, it was pretty terrible though, but it made me think, oh, I wanted to direct. And, um, and I've since learned that I, I, I don't really care about directing. I just kind of ended <laughs> up falling in love with writing more than, than, that so yeah did you as a kid or like teenager did you do any writing then or did it it wasn't something that you like really explored no I you know writing like and I played a lot of um guitar and and mm-hmm. I was a songwriter uh, you know and as a kid and I was actually very afraid to write like I I didn't know a if I had anything to say or B, if I did, if I wanted anyone to hear it. And so, like, I would ask, like, you know, I had this one friend, you know, freshman year in high school who was, like, just constantly writing just, like, super dramatic, dark stuff into his notebook. And so I'd be like, can I just have a couple pages so I have lyrics for... <laughs> so he'd be like, sure. And then he'd just, like, rip out a page of his journal. And then I would just, like, sing to it, you know? And I'm like, well, at least I have words now. Um, but I got over that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that, um, did you perform as dashboard confessional then? Is that, Oh God. I mean, I, (laughs) I, I, that my cringe, you know, my cringe musical, I would say moment was that kind of like acoustic emo moment where, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, yes, I fell head over heels for dashboard and, but it, you know, it, 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 kind of went away as quickly as it came um Mm -hmm. i don't know if you're like familiar with any of the other bands in that era but you know like get the get up kids were like and i still really like bands like the get up kids and jimmy world and stuff but yeah sometimes i look back and i'm like man everybody's whining so much you know but that's just music i guess yeah it's funny that how music goes through those like phases of like you know it's like i remember um in high school, like, you know, when I was in high school, like you had Nirvana and like grunge and like all of that. And then it was like, then it sort of like swung up to being like a little poppier and happier. So you had like Hanson and like shit like that. Um, you know, and then you come back to like dashboard confessional. Yeah. It's just weird. Like how it kind of goes in, in waves like that. Um, yeah, I think my favorite wave was, I mean, I mean, I was like a freshman in high school when grunge kind of at least found its way to Tucson. So, I mean, I was like the perfect moment in time to like fully accept like Pearl Jam and Nirvana mm-hmm. and Soundgarden, all that crap. And I still, I mean, I yeah. like that. I'm proud of that era. Like, yeah, you know, like there's some jams. I just, 
there's something that makes me cringe a little when I think back to some <laughs> of my my moments in my early 20s. Yeah, you know, I mean, we all have it, right? <laughs> Thank God we didn't have social media and uh, iPhones to record everything then. Oh my God, I know. I I, I feel I, I think I'm. Um, you know, with like my kids, I think right now we at least, I mean, they're too young. I mean, they're 11 and eight, but our policy right now is they're never going to be allowed to have social media as long as they live. They're, here. they're 11 and eight. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I have my nephews. I have nephews that range in age from three in one family. So there are four boys. They're three to 11. Three of the four of them have iPhones. Oh wow. And they'll text like they text us because they don't their friends don't have phones because sure, they're yeah. nine. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I'm like, I love you, Henry, but Jesus Christ, like I'm at work. Like I can't text you right now, you know? So yeah. um what a weird world. Um okay, so you uh, sorry, back to back to um, making movies. You that's what drove you to California in the first place, right? Like after high school, you yeah. were like, "I'm going to go study." Yeah. Fi- was it film that you studied? Yeah, yeah, studied film at USC, yep. and mm-hmm. um, you know that was a pretty cool experience. I met a lot of people that it was very intimidating. You know, there was a lot of people from all over the country that were like, you know, I had my dinky little movies that I made that I was too embarrassed to show anybody, and they had like real movies, like, "Oh, I shot this on," um, you know. Um, 16 millimeter um with a budget of 10k and you're like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) like i am not worthy um but then you you know you it it all evens itself out as you go and you like anything like anytime i've ever been intimidated by some or i've gone into a writer's room and some writers just like blows me away with their pitches and their jokes and i'm like oh my god like this person i'll never be as funny or as fast as that person give it two weeks and then you realize, mm-hmm. oh, I am. But they just like mm-hmm. they know how to start strong. It like yeah. all even it evens out over time. Everything you know, like I think I I, I think that like most writers in Hollywood f- like fit into this like eighty percent scale where like eighty percent of us are basically have the same amount of talent or will think of basically the same joke. There's ten percent that are just freaks and amazing, and then there's ten percent that are just not not ready but i think like the majority of writers and that's what makes it so hard to get jobs now it's just like there's so many people that are just so great and not even so great just good enough like i don't think i'm great i think i'm good enough you know Mm -hmm. i I can get the job done you can give me something and i'll do it but there's thousands of people that (laughs) can do that too which is hard yeah and what yeah geez what um i had a question about the writer's room are you guys if you're doing stuff now like projects do they just do those are they just doing those virtually yeah virtual we do virtual writers rooms um on zoom um okay. I, I just did the last season of Wipeout, and i'm starting back up on on that again in a couple weeks so um it yeah you know it's not ideal but it, it gets the job done and i kind of wonder like if you know it'll move that way more at least semi permanently because Mm -hmm. I don't know you think about like a studio or a production company it's like well we don't have to like pay for these assholes to come to work and like (laughs) you know like give them like air conditioning and LaCroix and a candy drawer and like pay for their coffee and all this crap you know it's like they can just do it from their living rooms and it's like (laughs) 
they, you know, you get the same, yeah. you get the same work out of them. The I, output I is prefer the same. It. Yeah, I prefer it. I, I mean, selfishly because I'm in Tucson because, you know, and I would go obviously to LA for the right job. Sure. But I've just been lucky enough that the ones that have come along recently have been remote. Yeah. Um, when you said Wipeout, I had to just like look it up to make sure I was thinking about This is the John Cena and Nicole Byer host. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So do you write stuff for them? Cause it's a, uh, it's a game show, right? Like a, well, it's like a, it's like an adults falling down is basically yeah. the, the gist of the show. And, yeah. and so, yeah, there are like, um, like host wraps where John and Nicole are on camera, like either before a segment or after a segment or at the beginning of an act or at, at the end of an act. Yeah. And that, you know, yeah, we write those where it's like, hey, you know, bloody, 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 funny banter. Yeah, Let's yeah. get back to the course. And then you see the people running and, um, you know, they do a lot of their own, like, just, you know, I guess, dialogue that is watching what's happening. Yeah. Um, and then we give them jokes to say and, oh, you know. Okay. When, okay. When, when there's funny falls or we we pitch, you know to the editors or producers like funny ways to put this one in reverse and let's see it in reverse, you know, or yeah. whatever. That kind yeah. Of crap. Okay. That's cool. That's very cool. I, I still struggle sometimes like having, especially, and I, um, like somebody like a Nicole Byers, she's obviously very funny in her own right. So like, yeah, in my mind, it's hard for like, I have a hard time delineating when something might be like written versus like her actual, you know what I mean? So like, I never thought mm-hmm. about the fact that somebody would write that for them. It's interesting when you like well, stop and think about it or give them yeah, ideas. Even. I mean, and I don't mean to pull the curtain back about the magic for the magic of TV for you, Logan. Um, you know, if, if, if these <laughs> hosts like could think of like, they could obviously like, you know, John Cena's super charismatic and yeah. Nicole Byer is insanely funny and they could obviously just stand up there and, and be entertaining, but it's like so much work. It just sure. makes it easier when they can just, read kind of a little thing off of prompter but they always you know like the good ones always make it their own anyway you know and and sometimes the funniest line in it is the one that they added and you're like oh like well that's why she's her and i'm me right i mean you know that's why she's (laughs) on a soundstage and i'm in tucson but that's you know that's that's darwinism i i'm okay with that No, and both of them have like the perfect background for that too, right? Like with him being in wrestling and then um a side mm-hmm. note, Vanessa Lachey is involved with Wipeout. So Nick, hit me up. Uh oh. Um Yeah. Um <laughs> when you when you got to uh USC and were studying, like did you start doing um like internships and stuff along that time or like do, like what kind of I feel like there are a ton of anytime you work in entertainment, there's a ton of like shitty kind of jobs. Did you um, like did you start doing those then or like how did that work? Yeah, I work. I. I, um, Oh, full circle. I worked at the Gap. Uh, So I went from from Gap model to um, worst Gap employee in history. (laughs) Like they hated me like they kept demoting me Um, like because I would like just do stupid stuff like. I'd be the guy that forgets to take the little like sensor off, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, yep. And then they'd come back angry or, or I would like forget to give them their credit card back, you know, like mm-hmm. I'll just like put it on the desk. I, I mean, you know, like just, I was just not a good folder and they eventually gave me like the, like the, 
the shift that was like from 3 a.m. to like 11 a.m. Like before the, okay. sh- before the, before anyone came in and could see me. Basically, I was like the guy that just snapped those little things onto all the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but other than Gap, I, um, yes, I did free interning work. I, I worked at Fox um, and uh, another production company um, on the lot, uh, on the Fox lot. Um, and that was cool. You know, it was like a lot of script reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, to date myself, I remember <clears throat> one of the assistants, you know, one of the executive assistants gave me this script and she's like, this one's making the rounds, like whatever, like just read it. Like, and I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there and it was called like untitled high school comedy. And immediately I'm just like laughing out loud in the office. Like, like I'd never read anything quite this funny. And I, I mean, it just was, it was like my dashboard. It was just the right thing at the right time. And she finally, she's like, Jesus, like, what are you like? What are you reading? I'm like this, this high school comedy. And it was American pie. The first one. Um, okay. And Shit, yeah, yeah, I was just like, wow, this is like, I have never read a teen comedy like this. And yeah. now, you know, looking back, it feels like, a little bit old or something or you know like everything kind of emulated that after it so it feels tired now but at the time it was sure. so fresh it it was like i remember i saw american pie in the theater and i remember um is it allison hannigan's line where she obviously talks about like one time at band camp and it finally comes out like the the rest of it uh yeah i remember <laughs> like sitting in the theater and being like holy shit she just said pussy like that wasn't like a thing. I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, it d- but it wasn't a thing for like a mainstream movie it, to be that like funny and over the like push the b- the boundaries yeah. so much. Um, yeah, it was it was it was the right thing at the right time. Yeah, it was great. And then and they made like 37 of them. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Everybody's. Uh, dream. I feel like absolutely. Eugene Levy is like the only person I think that's consistent, right? In all of them, I think the all the ones that I've seen. I, I, uh, I think I've only seen that one. <laughs> oh, okay. The, they're, you know, they're like, for what they are, the, the they're fine for a while uh, in the series. Um, what, so as an intern, like, what do you, what do you do with, when you're reading the script? Like, what are, do they have you like take notes? I don't know anything about this. You're really exposing uh, me to so much about entertainment. Like, what, what would you, what was the like objective of having you review the script? Would you give like a summary or? It was twofold. One was to keep us occupied for a few hours Mm -hmm. you know it's like i think half the time they're just like annoyed we're there i think you know and it's just Mm -hmm. like here here's a stack of scripts like just pick one you know and it's like we're kind of in the way at least this one i was at you know i felt kind of just in the way um and but yeah you would um you know if you would ask be asked to do coverage and i don't like they have professional script readers in hollywood that their job is to do professional coverage. Um, and usually it's like um, what the script is about, like pass or consider. There's like a, a sliding scale from pass to recommend uh, on the project and then pass to recommend on the writer. And so then they'll like they'll give a pretty detailed synopsis of like everything that happens, maybe like a couple pages worth. And then a couple pages of like, here's where I think it excelled and here's where it had problems. And that way you, Logan, the, the high, high up executive can get this coverage 
glance at it, call back that writer's agent and go, you know what? Like, oh yeah, I know I loved when that happened. And then, you know, and, and then maybe just pick a little blurb from, ah, I just thought that maybe, you know, the character motivation could have been a little bit stronger or something. You know, like they don't have to read it. They don't have to really care, but they can have a conversation about it. And um, it's like these readers are really kind of like the first gatekeepers. And so when you're an intern, you're kind of like a free reader. So I think they kind of like, yeah, I mean, sure, write coverage. But I, I don't know at that moment they're like really care that much what you think. Yeah. And I may be wrong. Maybe I feel like I feel like everything's changed in the last 20 years. I feel like everybody's like just kind of like more respected and coddled now. I, I imagine being an intern's great now. They, you know, everyone <laughs> probably bending over backwards for you. And you get air conditioning my... in LaCroix. Yeah, too. there you go. And they care what you <laughs> they care what you have to say. I actually remember one um, of the one of the junior execs when I was an intern. He finally called me into his office and was like, um, he wanted some ideas for an animated show. You know, he's like, you're young, you know, like. And I was just like, oh, this is my moment. And I pitched him this idea, and he just passed on it. And that was it. Like we're right on the spot. Yeah, and I remember the idea. It was a animated um, comedy about um, birds. And they um, they start in, in they're in Canada and they're they're flying south to Florida for the for the winter, and um, they get caught in a, a winter storm and a couple of the birds wind up in New York City and they have to like, you know, they get separated from the flock and they have to get like a road trip movie for birds and they yeah. get to Florida. And he passed. Isn't there a movie that's where Probably. a bird is lost or a puppy or something? Well, Shit, yeah, that's know. every animal movie. But, you know, I mean, it, it, it probably does exist. Yeah. And I'll be coming after them for the rights. As you should. But first, we're going to take a really quick commercial break. Summer is finally in full swing. We've waited so long to be able to leave our quarantine bubbles and get out of the house. I just recently got my bike tuned, so I'm excited to take it out for a spin. But you know what I'm not excited about? Getting hangry while I'm out on the trail. As you head outside, don't forget to take Paps Jerky with you. Paps makes beef jerky and beef sticks to fuel your outdoor lifestyle. They come in unique original flavors like Pitmasters, Hot, and my personal favorite, Grippo's Barbecue. You know what they say, you could take the boy out of Cincinnati, but you can't take the Cincinnati out of the boy. And right now, Fast Friends listeners can receive 15% off their first order by entering promo code FASTFRIENDS15 at PapsJerky.com. So save up, fuel up, and get outside. Okay, we're back. So I know that when you got when you started working on on Chelsea lately, you were doing kind of like set design and things like that. Where how did you get um, into that sort of work stream? I, obviously, like it probably came from some of your um, earlier shooting and stuff. But like, did you was that something you learned through the program or just like kind of made your way through with other roles? Yeah, I did not learn anything about that in school. Okay. I. When I graduated, I started um, working <clears throat> for Warren Beatty as his personal assistant. Now, a lot of people don't like young kids. They just like because he hasn't done a movie in forever. Like mm -hmm. they kind of don't know that he's like this living film legend. And I, of course, did, you know, being a film student. And my my first it's funny. My first like screen name was Clyde Barrow. Of course, you know, Bonnie and Clyde. Mm -hmm. Um so I thought Warren was just like the bee's knees, as he is. And so I got this job working for him. And um, it was, you know, it was equal parts fascinating and kind of boring. You know, I mean, I was like just at his house answering phone. 
but it's like, but it's Warren Beatty's phone, you know? And it's like, right. so it's, it's cool, but it's like once you, once, you know, a year and a half later, you're kind of like, all right, like what else is there to do in this world? And mm-hmm. so I just quit, you know, or I gave, anyway, I didn't quit. I get, you know, I gave him a notice and we left, you know, on good terms and he, he took me to lunch and, you know, and, um, he actually came to see my band play one night, uh, at this grunge, grungy club in Hollywood. It was no like shit. midnight. He, yeah, he came and he watched the whole show, which was insane. I would never watch one of my whole shows. And, <laughs> and after the show, he kind of like worked his way through the crowd up to the stage and he like patted my cheek, like, good job, you know? And <laughs> it was like, that was kind of like a pretty cool moment. I'm like, what? A, uh, he didn't have to do that. Um, yeah. but I, so after Warren, I was just like, I just, I'm dying to get into production, you know, like mm-hmm. I've just been sitting at a desk answering phones. Like I, I, I want to be where the action is. So the first job I got was art department at the okay. network. I just like, I got one day of work, you know? And I was like, this is amazing. We're building sets. Everyone's just like smoking cigarettes and like driving big trucks and like, you know, shooting nail guns. And it's like, this is cool. You know, we're like walking, Oh, there's, you know, famous people. And, uh, oh, this is awesome. And, so I was just like hell bent on like, I'm going to work my way into this world. And mm-hmm. so I, over the next like six months became like the lead art guy at the E network. And, um, so I was kind of like running the whole, like, I mean, I had a boss obviously, but I was running like the art department section. Um, the, the, the manual labor section that is, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't a designer. Um, <laughs> so I was like the leader of the, the cigarette smoking truck drivers. Yeah. But, um, my boss said, Hey, there's this new show. Uh, they just picked up. It's only going to be an eight week run. Um, it's called Chelsea handler something. Um, and you know, and my boss said, I assigned this other guy, Tim to be the art guy for it. And I was like, what? I'm like, no, I love Chelsea Handler. Like, like, like I, I knew her from girls behaving badly. And I was like, I'm like, you cannot get like, I'm, this is my job. Like you cannot give this job to Tim. Like, please. And I I often look back at that moment of like, this was like one of those life changing moments where it's like, if sometimes if you don't stand up for yourself or don't become the greasy wheel, like, like it, shit can go wrong for year, like decades later, it can have implications, you know? And so I like, fought for this like it, and it was my job and tim was even like dude i hate art department i don't even want to do this shit you know <laughs> so like they were like begrudgingly let me go and they were like okay we'll see you in eight weeks when the show's done and the show was just a juggernaut and yeah you know eight weeks turned into okay we got six months more okay and then six months turned into we got picked up for a year and then three years and and i was um i was the art director on that show and uh Chelsea just, you know, it was a very tight knit kind of small crew when it first started. And you know how comedy is. A lot of time you're like, we just need a body to like sit here and be in this sketch. And it's like you art guy, like put down your hammer, come here, just like stand over there and then say this line. And, and I don't know, I just got, a, I get I kind of clicked with Chelsea and she started inviting me out to like dinners and over to her house. And at the time she was dating Ted Harbert, who was the president of the network. So it's like, I just feel like in like a matter of like months, I went from like this, you know, truck driver at the, you know, in the mailroom to like in the president of the network's house having dinner. And it was just such a surreal kind of like quick leap. And then she's just, she texted me one night like, oh, I think you're so funny. I, I, I want to put you on the round table. And I, uh, I declined. 
um, you know, I was just like, there's I'm like, there's so many like real comics that like want to do it. And like, I just mm-hmm. feel like such a like interloper. Like I'm uh, like, I love acting in these sketches. It kind of reminds me of when I was a kid, but like, I, I'm not a round table guy. And then like a week later, the, the booker, the guy who booked all the comedians is like, Oh, um, you're on the table next Wednesday. Um, Chelsea booked you. And I was just like, Oh, all right. And I mean, and I was terrible at the round table. I hate it. I, I didn't hate it. I loved that I was given the opportunity, but it made me so nervous. And I knew I wasn't as like funny and as talented as these like stand up comedians. And it made me just feel so nervous. And I think that's kind of what she liked. She liked that I said bad jokes and beat up on myself. And like, I was kind of a fall guy out there. Um, and, but I was ultimately so grateful for it, you know, and then that's how I got into doing stand up and, you know, everything else that followed. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. So I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions about all that. Um, with the, with the round table specifically, okay. You're not even necessarily your first time. Cause I know you did it quite a few times and then obviously it led to a lot more, but, um, what you're right because like the people that were on there are are always like these not always but they're like established people who like write do go out and do stand up and they write and they do all this what um how do you get to prep for that like i know it's not on the spot right but like how much notice do you have on like the things that are going to be talked about Mm -hmm. and how much time do you have to like workshop you have a few like so the the way that show worked um was every morning we would have a writer's room meeting and at that time I was still in art department but I eventually made once I started appearing on the round table they moved me over to writer's assistant so I was in the writer's room pretty quickly after that but um you know it's like that was always the most fun part of the day everyone comes in all fresh-faced and you know styled up and, and looking good and smelling good and gourmet coffee and and you sitting in there and everyone's got just magazines and newspapers all over the table and Chelsea comes in in a good mood and everyone's like oh did you hear um this thing happened to Charlie Sheen and everyone starts talking about it and we're like all right let's talk about it on the show and so then everybody would just start yelling jokes and it's be like they'd be like hey you know Jiffy this is your your topic to organize so you know I would just be furiously writing down every joke that gets yelled at and um, and then you do that kind of rinse and repeat for six or seven topics. Mm-hmm. And then everyone goes back to their desk and like looks at their notes and writes, okay, here's the topic. Charlie Sheen is into tiger's blood. And then you would write like 10 jokes that were mm-hmm. like a, a culmination of everything that was screamed out in that meeting. And, um, and then from there, Chelsea would get all the topics and a lot of the jokes would just be hers. It'd be something, obviously, if she said something in the writer's room about that topic, that's like the first thing you write down. So mm-hmm. a lot of her jokes and thoughts were just straight up from her, but a lot of them were written by, you know, that's why you pay writers handsomely. Um, mm-hmm. And so she would get a list of seven or eight topics with 10 jokes on each topic. And then she would pick her favorite three or four jokes. And that's what would go on the blue card that, you know, she holds those blue cards and it yep. would be like Charlie Sheen, Tiger Blood, and there'd be four jokes, just as reminders for her, you know. And a lot of times she would put the card down and just riff because that's what she does. But right. so, but the funny thing is, so if it was your day on the round table that day, you would wait until she was done picking her jokes, and then you would get the scraps. You know, you'd you'd okay. grab the sheet and go, "Oh, she doesn't like this joke. I love that joke." You know. Um, mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I found that like 
the scraps were scraps for a reason. You know, you're like, oh, wow, there's so many great jokes to pick from, but there's a reason she didn't pick them. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. or they're, they're not in your voice. So then, you know, you're eating lunch and you're probably two hours from being on the table. And you, on that show, you, we had to do all of our, like, if I was writer's assistant, I had to do all of my writer's assistant duties, like, while trying to, like, do hair and makeup and get dressed and, and think about what the hell am I going to say? And, oh, my God, I'm mm-hmm. not funny. You know, a lot of times I'd go out there and be like, Shit, I don't have, like, anything to say on this. And I remember, like, my, it was, like, my first round table. And I was kind of struggling. It was one of my first ones. And Lonnie Love was there. And, you know, she's mm-hmm. like, she was on the table next to me. And she just, like, did her Lonnie, like, she just kind of shook her head. And she goes, Chelsea, like, who the hell is this guy? You know? And, like, <laughs> and I was like, ah, exactly. Who the hell am I? What am I doing here? Um, but, you know, it got easier. And like I said, like, those, you know, the Sarah Clonas and Chris Frangiolas and Jen Kirkmans and they, you know, they were professionals like in Josh Wolf, like that's what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they had no problem just going up there and being funny. Yeah. For me, it was always an effort and I, it became fatiguing. <laughs> <laughs> well, as someone that watched the show, like honestly, very regularly, um, the people that you just mentioned, right? So like Sarah, uh, Chris, um, Jen, Josh, I'm thinking like later years, like Fortune and Ian and Heather and like all these people. Mm -hmm. It was, um, do you think that you all had any idea at the time, like how much people felt like they know, like that they knew you and like that you formed this weird connection with? Like, did you have any idea at the time that you're making it? Like, because it literally, we would sit and watch it, right? And be like, we didn't know who was going to be on the round table. So it was always like a fun, pleasant surprise. And we'd be like, Oh shit, you know, Josh is back. Like he's hilarious, whatever. But like it's, did you have any idea? Like, yes and no. Um, I do remember like before I started becoming more of a regular, um, you know, like being out at a bar with like Brad Wallach and people coming up to him for a picture. And that was the first time I was like, wait, what? Like, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. people, people care about this. Like, you know, like they want his, they want Brad's picture. You know, it's like, and you know, it's like, I was like, oh my God, like you guys are becoming like TV famous, you know? And Mm -hmm. I remember that moment being just kind of like, wow. But I personally, like, I don't know. Like I, I remember just like all the hate more. (laughs) Like, like if I were on the round table, you know, I would scroll through Twitter after the, the, the show. And for whatever reason, the things that always stuck out were like people that just hated me. And, you know, you kind of like you all the like, oh, you're so great. I love you. Just goes away. And it's like you're ugly and your teeth are weird. Or like somehow, like I remember that one, you know. Wow. Shit. I, I, yeah, I guess I never I guess it's two sided. Right. So. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cause I guess anytime you're out there, like you're kind of opening yourself up a little bit to, cr- not really, but you are in this world. Um, so yeah, people just feel like they can probably like say whatever the hell they want to. And I feel like that's another thing that social media has made even worse. <laughs> right. Cause it doesn't yeah. put a face behind any handle. Yeah. It's so easy many to just, and uh, you said not really, but you are no, really you are. If you put yourself out there, you are literally inviting the good, the bad, then you have yeah. facts of life. But 
it, it, and it's like I said, like it was probably 80% good things and 20% bad, but the bad yeah. are the ones that for some reason swayed my, my emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you were, you were doing writer's assistant, started doing the round table, I think worked into like a full-time writer role, yeah. right. On the yeah. show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the show at some point, uh, ended, which, um, I think then at that point you started do, working on Chelsea's Netflix show, right? Cause she kind of, sorry, yeah, she, but there was she a, kind of like, go ahead. She kind of, went, <laughs> oh, well, there was a year between that, that I, um, yeah. I, I started touring with Josh and I think that's when I met you. Um, mm-hmm. Josh and I toured for a couple of years, um, which was so much fun. Um, but again, I, I kind of equated stand up to the round table. It's just like, it was fun, but it just wasn't for me. Like I was like other comics would be like, I'm not, I don't feel at home anywhere, but on that stage, you know, and I'm like, man, that's the only place I don't feel good. <laughs> you know, like, well, I don't know. I, I, it was kind of like a necessary evil. Like, you know, I made some, some decent money at it. Like, you know, we, we opened for Chelsea on her, um, you gone to be kidding me tour, uh, on a lot of dates. So like, you know, and I got to see a lot of the country with Josh. It was awesome. But it ultimately like, it was too like I'm I'm not I don't like being on stage I don't it, it it's too anguishing so I I just stepped away um, but that touring with Josh led to the Josh Wolf show on CMT mm-hmm. which I was kind of like in a sidekick and a writer on that show which was so mm-hmm. awesome I love that show and I thought it was going to go forever and that was like my first real heartbreak cancellation and I can't yeah. imagine what what it was like for Josh. Oh, I'm sure. Because I feel like they didn't really give it much time at all to take they off. They didn't. It was six weeks they gave yeah. it. And, you know, we, we had just come off of Chelsea lately, which was like, yeah. and so naively, we were like, oh, all shows just succeed. You know, like all shows are great and they become these huge things. And, and you know, Josh is going to be the face of CMT and I'm going to have work for the next 10 years. And then six weeks later, you're like, oh, wait, <laughs> I need yeah. a job. Yeah. Yeah, that's because uh, I remember being really like bummed for you guys when that didn't take like right when they didn't give it more legs. Because I feel like too, it was if I remember correctly, it was pretty abruptly. Like there wasn't an official yeah. announcement. It just kind of like it was like, hey, we <laughs> like there's no new episodes coming out. What's going on? There was no like official. Let me tell you why, and this is kind of messed up too. So they they canceled us, and we still had like two weeks of shows to go. Mm-hmm. And they already said like, hey, this isn't coming back. And so for one thing you're thinking like, well, then why are we doing these two weeks of shows? I mean, A, you get your weekly paycheck, but you know, I guess creatively, what are we doing? You know, like, right. and so they kind of dangled the carrot and said, well, like, let's see how these weeks go. And, you know, we'll kind of officially make the decision when, when it's, we finish out those six weeks. And so we kind of like, you know, it was like this kind of waiting for Guffman type thing where it's like, oh, this studio exec from, you know, such and such is going to come down to the last show and and we just got to wow them. If we wow them enough, it's going to save the show. This is great, you know. And so we put our hearts and soul into like the last two weeks thinking that like there was still this chance that if we just did it enough. So we didn't talk about endings. We didn't talk about this. Like we, we were in it to win it. And then it just got canceled still. And I kind of think like, I, I feel like there was never any reality of like them going back and, and extending the show. I think they were just like, 
eh, like this is the best way to like, you know, make sure they show up for the next two weeks and put on good shows. (laughs) Since we're paying them for. Yes, exactly. Uh, That's so, that's just like, seems so, um, I don't know, wrong to like toy with people's livelihoods and emotions like that. Right. Cause you know, you take somebody like Josh, he's like, and, and all of you guys, but you know, his, he was the face of it. Right. So it's like, he's putting his heart and soul literally into this Yes, and to to sort of like toy with him. Mm -hmm. That seems, yeah, no, it was, that's that's Hollywood. Yeah. And I, I bet you, they would say, uh, you know how many people don't get six weeks, you Mm -hmm. know, like, uh, you should be grateful. You know, like that's their mindset of like, we, uh, anointed you host for six weeks. Like you should be like kissing our feet, not yeah. mad that we only let it be six weeks, but here nor there, you know, that's obviously not the right mindset. But I think that's how they think. Sure. Not sure. that like, Oh, this is actually like the show is embroiled in who this man is. This yeah. show is this him. We are canceling him right. and what that does to a person, you know? Yeah. Um, one of, um, sorry. So yes. So yes, you had the, the, uh, touring with Josh, um, and then Josh, Josh's show, uh, and then obviously Chelsea's show. Cause I feel like what I was going to say earlier is like, I feel like this was kind of like a, I want to say a turning point. That sounds dramatic, but like her, her trajectory changed. I feel like, right. Like I feel like when she left E and started going to um, Netflix and then like even the stuff she's doing now obviously is much more um, is the word purpose driven does that sound terrible to say because it wasn't like no, it wasn't think- like what she was doing before had no purpose but like it was more like um, I don't know it wasn't she she didn't seem as like personally invested right like you can only talk about the Kardashians for so long like she's yeah. the things she's talking about now are like very serious like issues because we saw her recently um I want to say like October before the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was just like a very different che- We've seen her like multiple times, but that was a very different Chelsea show than, than what we had previously seen. Right. Um, yeah. so I guess my question behind all of that is like, when you go, obviously, you know, her, you know, her personality, um, pretty well at this point, like how hard is it to make uh, a change, like to kind of deliver on that new sort of um, vision for the, for her and her brand and her show? That's a good question. And I, you know, it was, it was hard, but it was fun. I mean, you know, I think Chelsea lately kind of ended up wrapping up because of that very reason. Like how much, how many times we have to talk about the Kardashians, you know, Mm -hmm. or Lindsay Lohan at the time or Tiger Woods or whatever it was that we talked about a million times. And I think Chelsea was feeling like, and I'm, I'm projecting what I think, you know, um, she would maybe say something different, but I think she was feeling like, like you said, like, what's my purpose? Am I going to, you know, I could do this for the next 15 years and, and that's great. But like, why? And I think she started getting more. And I think at the time, and I don't know if it's like just because I was in it or if the world was becoming more purpose-driven at that moment. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like there was more shows like coming out like the Olivers and the, you know, the Daily Show, you know, coming back and, or did it even go away? It had, I think that was around the turnover of the host. But, um you know, it felt like suddenly the, the in vogue comedy was let's 
make political commentary. And it also coincided with Donald Trump becoming elected, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and so every, yeah, it was just like, everybody was talking like that was the new thing. And I think it just, it intersected with her desire to, to be more purposeful. And so it felt like a, like a easy lead, not an easy, but a, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. It, it made sense to her, you know, like to just transition a natural trans. Yeah. Transgression to like, okay, I'm going to do more things that matter. You know, I'm not going to talk about the Kardashians. I'm going to talk about, you know, foreign policy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, so it was really, it was a really fun show working on her Netflix show. And she was like, so happy, like, you know, to be doing it and, and to be on Netflix and to be, you know, talking about things that matter but it did feel like you know when we were on Chelsea lately it was like we would talk about the Kardashians and everybody would hear it and then all of a sudden we were kind of in this bigger ocean and so we would talk about Trump and like not as many people would hear it or Mm -hmm. care you know it's like well I have John Oliver and Colbert and Trevor Noah and Samantha B all talking about the same thing like Mm -hmm. do I need another voice in my ear Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if that's right or wrong or, but I mean, it was in the show it was totally a hit. I mean, for purposes of, you know, we went two seasons, we did two full years of it, but it, um, I don't know. I, it, it felt different than, it just felt different than Chelsea lately. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then after, so after the Netflix show, I know that, um, you've like, like we <clears throat> mentioned earlier, been writing and like doing a bunch of different projects. What, um, I know one of them is the Max Winslow movie um, that you worked on. What what mm-hmm. other things um, have you and we talked about Wipeout, but like what what other things have you um, been doing that you're allowed to talk about? Oh, well, I'm allowed to talk about anything. I'm in Tucson. Nobody can touch me. <laughs> That's true. I've already lost. I'm already here. What, what are they going to do? <laughs> Cancel me again? Um, no, I you know yeah I wrote a I wrote an independent young adult movie called Max Winslow in the House of Secrets. Um, that was made, I don't know, a couple years ago. That was really fun. So I, I've been writing a lot of features. Um, that same company, I'm doing a, I'm wrote a horror movie for them, more adult, not young adult, just straight up horror movie that they're going to shoot early next year. Um, and you know, I've just been kind of bouncing around. I, I worked on a Netflix show called Absurd Planet. Um, <clears throat> which was really fun. It was just, it's a kind of a kid's show about animals, but like, you know, the animals like talk and fart and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, then wipe out and then, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm just kind of like, just, just moving with the wind, you know, and yeah. I'm lucky that Wipeout's coming back up here in a little bit and I'll do that. And then when that's over, I'll, I'll just kind of like look for the next thing. It's a yeah. never ending you know, search for work. Yeah. And that's partly why I moved it back here too, is it's just, it's easier to live here, you know, mm-hmm. when I, when you're in between things. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, instead of it being steady, it's right. It's like, you'll have uh, ebbs and flows probably of, of work and then pay obviously <laughs> related yep, to that. Yep. Yeah, no, um, definitely. It's, it's, it's hard to get used to. Yeah. Yeah. I would be terrible at managing that. Like I have to have the, I would have to have the routine, like, every Friday or every other Friday or whatever the case may be. Um, cool. Well, those, those are all the first, the questions I have for the first round. Um, are you, if you want to move on to the second round, um, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's roll. 
Awesome. So the like I said, the second round is called Five for Five. Um, so I will let you start with the first question, and then uh, we'll ping pong. So you go, I'll go. Or yes, you go, okay. I'll go. All right. Vice versa. Okay. What is advice you would go back and give yourself on your wedding day? Oh shit. Yeah, this is deep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I yeah, I know this. Um, so Liz and I have this concept um, now that we have figured out. I would have bestowed my, this upon myself as I was getting married because it took us a couple years to sort of I think get this figured out. But like we consider ourselves, and it's a play on like varsity reserve, etc. But like everything that we do is like the two of us are like the A team. And then like Mm -hmm. our immediate friends and family would fall on like the B team. Right. So like every single time that we have to make like a tough decision or even like a minute decision that somebody's really pissed about, you know, it's like establishing that alliance as like the A team and doing what's best for that team over anyone else, no matter who it pisses off. Because as long as we're on the same page and like we're happy, it's going to work out. And I think it took a while to, you know, because you're balancing like inputs from different family members and like figuring out new family traditions and like all this stuff. And at the end of the day, like we have to worry about us, like our family. That's great. That's that's a, a nice, healthy outlook, I think. Well, therapy has, has brought us there. <laughs> <laughs> Individual therapy has helped us setting boxes and boundaries, I think. Because we used to try to please everyone, and now it's like, there's no way. You're not going to please everyone. Yeah. My first question for you is a little lighter, um, but I know that you, we talked on music and you having a band and things like that. What is your go-to karaoke song? I don't do karaoke. At all? I, I can't remember the last time I did. I'm not a big karaoke guy, despite being like a, a music dude. Um, I just can't remember the last time I did, but I would say if I had to go do karaoke tonight, I would probably do like a killer song. All right. Here's here's a lighter one. Uh, favorite and least favorite fast food burger. Oh, burgers specifically. Yes. Give me a minute to think about it because I'll have to explain my rationale too. I people get very. Um, this is a polarizing topic for people. I feel like mm-hmm. if I'm picking fast food burgers, do you have Culver's out there? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, it is a. Cha- I mean, it is a chain. I think it might be like Midwest based. I'm gonna say national. It has to be national. National. Then I'm going to go with, I really think probably Wendy's. Square Burger. Yeah. I feel like they're just like, because they're not like, they're fresh, never frozen. I'm sucker for mm-hmm. a good tagline. But um, <laughs> I think you can taste the difference, quite honestly. Really? And then my least favorite national, this is like picking which one of your kids you don't like the best to me, because <laughs> that's how I feel about fast food. I would say maybe like White Castle, okay. because I think White Castle has a, I think is White Castle national? Does that count? Yeah, I'll give you White Castle. So it definitely has a place in the lineup of burgers. It's uh, few and far between. Every once in a while, White Castle just sounds freaking amazing. And like, there's nothing else that would like, but most of the time I could do without their burger. Well, most of their food, honestly. When you're drunk, it sounds amazing. And that's it. It does. And listen, I actually go there on Valentine's Day every year because they do like oh, table do. service. Yeah, it's very. Oh, that's fun. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's fun because Valentine's is like it's like one of those holidays that's kind of meh. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. I like that. I'll, I'll try that out with my wife. And she'll <laughs> she'll, yeah, probably. <laughs> mm. <laughs> my second question for you, and this is going back to, uh, well, it doesn't have to be Chelsea lately, but I, th- I would imagine with that and after lately, which we didn't even talk about, um, there's a lot that could fall in here. So what's the craziest thing you've ever seen at work? Oh, boy. That's, that's, oh, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, it could be something with Chewy. Um, mm-hmm. cause I was, I was Chewy's, uh, producer for the last few years. So I got to know him really well. RIP. Um, yeah. 
Let me think. I mean, I think probably the wildest thing I did was in After Lately, I had a scene, a one-on-one dinner scene with Jane Fonda. Okay. And, um, you know, and I'm not like a, a thespian, you know, I'm just like just a guy basically just that kind of stumbled into this acting role. And I remember I, I obviously got to the restaurant first and then she arrived and she was holding her little dog and she had sunglasses on and she kind of walks in. She looks at me and she goes, are you Jiffy? And I go, yep. <laughs> and she goes, let's run lines. And she walked off. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's run lines. <laughs> but she was very, she was a very, uh, a very giving actress, and and obviously she made me look as good as she could. That's fun. That's fun. I was going to ask you about the bathtub scene that you had to film oh, with uh, with Chelsea. That came into my mind as well. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I can't remember. Like the script that they were going to shoot, like fell apart, and so that one got written like in a week. And they were just like, "We just got to shoot it. And we're going to just shoot it at Chelsea's house and whatever." And it's Jiffy's going to think Chelsea's in love with him, and and they take a bath together. And and I had to wear this like little like cod piece like in the bathtub and i'm just like yeah i i I don't know man i mean i'm like pale and hairy and like i wasn't working out at the time i mean it was just like not and i remember i stood up and i just saw her face of like oh (laughs) but i i was so used to just being like degraded and and half naked (laughs) Uh, on camera so by that point i was just like i'm getting paid for this oh well yeah it pays the same (laughs) yeah okay it's time for your third question for me okay uh if you could single-handedly cancel something what would you cancel um something or someone i guess yeah you can't say the jeopardy host he already did that to himself i saw that i saw that this morning um I think I would, I would cancel student loan debt. And I know that that's a very like trendy thing to say right now. No, that's wonderful. As someone who graduated with a significant amount of college debt, I think of like how much further we could be in our lives. Like if we hadn't had to pay that off and it's yeah. fine. Like, you you know, you get into the arguments of like, well, you knew what you were doing. Like, I'm, I'm not like saying all that. If I could like single-handedly just like wave a wand though and cancel something, I would absolutely cancel college debt. And there's no doubt that, Colleges are just too expensive. Like, yeah, it costs too much. Like, that's part of the reason we moved to Arizona as well. Is like the um, state colleges are just going to be easier and cheaper yeah. for our kids. And I told my kids, there's three of them. Like, you get to choose one. Like, yeah. And, and if you get a scholarship, you can go out of state. But that's it. Yeah. And it's just yeah, there needs to be some sort of college tuition reform. Absolutely. Like, and it, oh, yeah. it just keeps it's, going up and going up and going up. It's like, it just doesn't, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. And then, and then that you get a, to get a degree that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Cause you, any job that you get, you're going to get trained or you're going to learn on the job. Right. Like mm-hmm. it, so it's sure. Like, I'm not saying that my college experience wasn't that I don't put any value on it, but I'm 41 and we literally just paid off. And I was the only one that had debt. Liz was, mm-hmm. uh, did not incur debt. She mm-hmm. had a scholarship. We literally just paid that off last year. Congrats. So it's like, that's 18 years, you know, of, thank you, of, uh, of making a house payment, but not having a house. Yeah, no, I know. And, and as you watch the housing market go up to an insane level. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. That's a whole separate. Great question, yeah. though. My third question for you is, if you were on death row, what would your meal be that you pick? White Castle. <laughs> no. Amazing. I think I would probably pick something just really weird, just to make people go, wait, what? You know, like... Because if you're really going to die like tomorrow or tonight or whatever, does one more meal like make you feel better? Like I would, I would pick like 
tapioca pudding or like <laughs> Tic Tacs or something just like they'd be like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. I want one of every flavor of Tic Tac. And then yeah. they'd be like, oh, okay. And then at least they would have a story and they would maybe make the paper or something and I'd be dead. Yeah, I, I like because my head was going there too. I'm like, oh, the Tic Tac thing would definitely be a headline. Yeah, right. <laughs> Death Man row inmates. Yeah. Tic Tac's like, we had nothing to do with this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Their poor social media manager. <laughs> um, um, all right. It's time for your fourth question for me. Okay. How about the website that you waste the most time on other than like Twitter or social media? Just like oh, a sure. other website. Yeah. Probably Amazon. Or, oh, man. Just, just uh, buying crap. Yeah, or just like looking for stuff. Like I use it even at work sometimes, like when we have to look up stuff. Yeah, I mean, I have a love-hate with Amazon, right? Um, The convenience is just, I can literally order something right now and it would be here in three hours or less. I know. It's, they got us by the balls. Totally. It's like everybody hates it and uses it. Yeah. It's like, I've never, I've never seen anything quite like that. Yeah. So I'd say I probably waste a significant amount of time there, but one of the things that I've learned to do is like read more about like the specifications. Cause I would like look at a picture and think that, um, something would come and then it would be like significantly smaller. Like, a, I don't know. My wife would like get mad. Cause she'd be like, why did you order that? Like, didn't you read that it wasn't the right size or whatever? And I'm like, no, I just looked right. at the picture, looked at the title. Boom. But, yeah. you know, they also have free returns, so it's, it's fine. It's just going to be dropped off at UPS and out of my <laughs> out of my existence. Yeah. I mean, it's all so easy. Too easy. Like you said, it's like the it's like the filming a movie on a phone. Yeah. These kids have yeah. no idea how lucky yeah. they have it. Music on demand. Literally just type in on Spotify. What the hell? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I remember when Napster came out and, you know, you download an album and come back like four hours later and yeah. you found out somebody picked up the phone and it stopped downloading. And yeah. Uh, it was yeah. the worst. Or it would be like the wrong or like not the full version or something. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. My roommate in college got a letter from the Napster Metallica lawsuit. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I don't know what it was at the time, but. Oh, really? He got, yeah. he must've downloaded a lot then, huh? Yeah. Well, at that time we were living that sweet, sweet cable modem life. Oh Yeah. 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 Maybe I'm misremembering history, painting myself in a nicer light, but I feel like I was always kind of like morally conflicted. Like mm-hmm. I shouldn't be getting this for free, right? Mm-hmm. Like isn't this wrong? Is uh, does anyone else feel weird that we can just like take this music from And so like I would grab a few albums, like the stuff that usually was just like hard to find, like I, that I couldn't find at my record store here, but I remember feeling like it didn't feel right. You know, and I would have gladly yeah. paid nine ninety nine for Spotify or Apple Music at that moment in my life. I've been like, hell sure. yeah, that's amazing. You know, of but that obviously it didn't exist yet. Or even like, because I think that's what set it up for like iTunes to work so nicely, where it was like, cool, I can just buy one of these songs instead of seventeen, and I can spend a dollar nine on it or whatever. Yeah, that was game changing. Absolutely, you buy one song. Yeah, yeah, I still have my uh, original iTunes library. It's like transferred over with me. So when the cloud goes down. Nice. I'm going to have a fucking party and just play all the shit that's saved locally in my library. Yeah. And it'll all be from like 2005. (laughs) Just Um, 98 degree remixes. (laughs) Absolutely. For everyone. Uh, My fourth question for you is what is a popular TV show that you refused, refuse or refused to watch? Uh, this would fall in the category of TV shows and movies. I Mm -hmm. don't like uh, superhero stuff. I'm just not okay. into it. It doesn't do it for me. So like any new superhero movie that comes out, pass. Unless it's like uh, like Joker. Like I, I watched that. 
but like the Marvel universe stuff, I'm just, I just like, uh, I don't know. And I get why people like it and everyone sings its praises and my nephew can't stop talking about it. And the, the TV show version of that was the, um, what's the one that just came out where it was Paul Bettany and, and they kind of lived in like a weird kind of like soap opera. WandaVision. Like I, I tried to watch that because I'm like, oh, well, this one looks different. And I just like, I think I got through like one and a half episodes. But I, I also, Logan, I hate everything. I'm so hard to please. There's very seldom I find something that I'm like, I really like this. So that's I'm, all right. I'm not, I'm not a very good gauge of audience. It's all right. I mean, you know, it's totally fine. It's, it's just your world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, know, I think I know. so. Um, okay, it's time for your fifth and final question for me. Okay, I have two, so you can pick which one you think is better one to answer. What's an old person thing that you do, or what was your worst job ever? I can answer both of those, actually. I'll give you a bonus answer. Yay! An old person thing that I do is I still, not for everything, but I still do write checks and mail some bills in. Like, I have a checkbook. Yeah. I write checks, and I okay. I do like mailing things for some reason. Um <laughs> I also, this is, you're getting like a ton of answers. I also don't do like the mobile deposits and stuff. Like, you know how you can take a picture of checks? Yeah. No, like I go to the bank and like turn them in. So that's crazy. That, yeah, Um, you are old school. I I do that too. I had my identity stolen though, uh, Mm. very recently in in a very bad way. So now I have like a small credit union that I'm, I'm not a part of a a national bank anymore. I don't really bank online. I bring live checks to the bank where they know yeah. who I am and it's, it's awesome. it was a mess. But isn't there something yeah. like, I know it's a little nostalgic and weird, but like there's something nice about that too, you know? Yeah. Like people knowing you I, and like, yeah. And I always get a coffee. Like I, I, yeah. I've like, I know when I go to the bank, I'm going to get a Starbucks too. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. this is a nice little, I'm going to get in the car, listen to some music, go to the bank, yeah. say hi to Joey and then get a <laughs> Starbucks, walk around the Ace Hardware. This is a great yeah. little afternoon. You know? I love Ace Hardware. That's my. That's yeah, the only hardware that. store I'll go to. It's a lot easier than going to one of the bigger ones, but yeah. it's um, a little bit more expensive, and they don't have quite as much stuff. But it does. If you just yeah, need yeah. one thing, it's it's yeah. I I love walking around hardware stores. Yeah, they they sell the most interesting uh, variety of things. I feel like, especially at Ace, they have like yeah. just this super eclectic mix of merchandise. The worst job that I ever had. <sighs> In college, I had a um, job, or right after college, rather, I had a job where I had to work at a customer service call center. It was for a manufacturer, and the job itself wouldn't have been bad. Like, it was a call center. It wasn't, like, hard. It wasn't excruciating. The manager was just terrible, and, like, they were so hell-bent on, like, increasing productivity and, like, answer rates and decreasing hold times that they installed these giant flashing lights that would, like, flash when calls were in queue, and it honestly, like, felt like you were having a stroke a little bit. Nah. And that was a terrible job. Um, yeah. But I had like a lot of terrible jobs when I was also writing for wrestling because that didn't pay. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of like really shitty like part time or like contract or you know what I mean? Like yeah. really just shitty jobs like that. It's amazing know. how like one bad manager or person in charge can make an otherwise like fine job into hell. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. When you break it down, you're like, hey, what I'm doing here at this moment isn't terrible. Like, yeah, I'm, it's fine. Uh, this is fine. I can call people. I can. But then you have one just dickhead, mm-hmm. you know, standing over you, and it just makes it the worst job ever. Yeah. It's like, I think those people are, I don't know. They're either, they're either great managers or terrible, but I don't know yeah. which one. Yeah. They're terrible, I think. 
Um, my last question for you is if you could only keep one of your five senses, which one would you keep and why? Eyesight. Just because? Yeah. I think you can get around the most, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. I could drive to the supermarket and, and buy my groceries mm-hmm. with just my okay. eyesight. Yeah. Um, now, now could, could, I, could I smell the cantaloupe? You know? Uh, no. Could I hear the watermelon when I knock it to see how hollow it sounds? No. But I could see it. I think that would be the hardest one to like work around the eyesight. Well, yeah. I mean, think if you just had your hearing, what would you do? Yeah. Or just had your, your, sm- I mean, it would be hearing or eyesight. I mean, no one's keeping their smell. Like that's right. kind of an overrated sense anyway. I mean, <laughs> well, that's the end of the five for five round. So thanks for playing awesome. that. We're yeah. uh, wrapping things up. We have one more little segment. It's with the paper fortune teller. And so the way oh, that right. this will yes. work yes. is uh, I will ask you a series of questions. Depending on your answers, obviously I will shuffle and whatever. We'll get to one that will reveal an activity. There are four activities. Uh, one is ask me anything. One's truth or dare. One's never have I ever. And one is two truths and a lie. Okay. So depending on your answers, that'll determine which one of those we play. So my first question is, <laughs> if we're th- in this scenario, we're also going on a road trip, you and I. So you have to start the playlist for a boy band. Would you pick Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, One Direction, or 98 Degrees? NSYNC because I've played music with, with Lance Bass before, and he was pretty nice. So I'm going to go yeah. NSYNC. I love that you just slid that in there like in a short aside, like, oh, you know, NBD. It was pretty good working though, right? Yeah, that was great. That was great. That was on the, that was on the Joshua show that we did. Yeah, I, I see Josh is like, with, with, oh, go ahead. Yeah, he's killing it. Yeah, he's, he's doing a lot of music lately. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think he's got a new special coming out, a new music special. He's, uh, yeah, I, I love seeing the stuff that he's doing. And he's like on with Chris Kirkpatrick and shit. <laughs> it's yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, okay, we stop at a gas station and we're going to get road trip snacks. Do you pick Milk Duds, Corn Nuts, Cheez-Its, or Sour Patch Kids? Ooh. Okay, I'm split between Sour Patch Kids, love them, and Milk Duds. I'm going to go with Milk Duds. It's my okay. favorite like movie one. Yeah, it's good. And the last one is we're stopping at a fast food restaurant to go through the drive-thru. Do we stop at Wendy's, McDonald's, Arby's, or Burger King? My, I asked you your favorite burger. My favorite burger, hands down, is the Whopper. Okay. I'm Burger King. I respect the Whopper, for sure. Well, they're one of the only ones that does mayonnaise. I yeah. just, I like mayonnaise. Oh, and their mayonnaise is There's something amazing. right about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this is, a, <laughs> this is uh, Never Have I Ever is the game. Okay. So I will ask you, I have like some Never Have I Ever prompts, and if you have done what we're saying, you will have to take a drink of and pretend that it's something like, you know, heart, like liquor. Because ultimately, if we were having like a party, that's how we would play this. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So the first one is, um, I'm just going to do these at random, by the way. Had someone else do my work and pretended it was my own. Sounds like high school shit. I have not done that. So what do yeah, I do? I have not done that. Uh, I think you. I think we both drink because neither of us have done Because we haven't? Mm-hmm. Okay. Gone to a party, done drugs, and had sex with someone I just met. I wish my life was that exciting ever. Um, yeah, I've done that. Well, you have lived a more exciting life than me. Uh, graffitied. I have not done that. I have done that. Wow. You're a da- more lived a more dangerous life than me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mailed a glitter bomb. Don't know what that is. Haven't done it. <laughs> peed in a pool or hot... Of course, I've peed in a pool or hot yes. tub. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. If I'm in a pool, I'm peeing. I just want people to know that. Uh, I don't... Actually, I. it's been a while like uh, since I have. 
I have to say, I used to do it a lot more in my youth. Now I'm like, I don't. But I, I still pee in the shower. Yeah. Here's my stance on the pool thing. I don't like seek out pools to pee in. It's not like I'm wandering around looking for pools to urinate in. But if I'm at like a water park or like a community pool, I'm not getting out of the pool, drying off, walking across the park to the bathroom to pee and then come back. Like I'm peeing in the pool or I'm actually if if I'm finding one of those little mushroom things that has the water flowing down, I'm standing right underneath it and just pissing. That's what's happening. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You just go for it. Yeah, I feel very strongly about that. (laughs) I mean, technically, the the chlorine just eats it up. But uh, yeah, interesting. Uh. Okay, we have a couple more. Objected at a wedding ceremony. Never. Has anyone ever, has that ever actually happened? Just in the, in the graduate. <laughs> Forgotten to wear sunscreen, passed out on the beach, and looked like a lobster. Actually, I've done that. Close enough, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I've done something similar to that. Thrown up in a taxi. Um, not a taxi, but a school bus. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't a school bus, actually. It was a, um, it was like in college... My sister was in a, in a different college, and I went to like one of her date nights with her. She's just like she had a boyfriend that was out of college, and she's like, he doesn't want to come to this shit. So do you just want to come and you can drink and party with my friends? Yeah, yeah. So and then I ended up hooking up with one of her friends, and we after the date night we all got into this bus to drive back to wherever the college was or whatever, and um, I was just like, hold it together, Jeff. Like hold it together, like. And just like see, like everything was spinning. And um, somehow I managed to throw up on the bus, like on the ground, but still just kind of be like, oh, like nothing happened, you know? And, and somehow I did it where no one saw me, but slowly everyone started being like, oh, gross. Like, did somebody puke? Like, you know? And I was like, whoa, yeah, gross. Oh my gosh. Like, it's crazy, you know? And so I was like, got off the bus. Went back to her house with like all of her friends. And mind you, I had just met her like hours ago, you know, went back to her house where we're like partying and hanging out. And I'm like, I go into her bathroom. I like splash my face. I find some like scope, I scope. I'm like, you got this. You got this. And then I start spinning again. And I'm like, you don't got this. So I burst out of the bathroom, walk outside of her house, like into like the street and just vomit all over i had a like a luau shirt on it was a luau so i had a i had hawaiian shirt on i just vomited all over my shirt and i stood there for like 30 seconds thinking can i still go back (laughs) and and hook up with her and i was like i was like doing the math like the drunk math in my head i'm like luckily i was just like i can't like I, i can't walk back in so i just ghosted her i just left and I went back to my sister's and she was there with all of her friends and they just like screamed when I walked in because I was just like a zombie with just vomit all over myself. And <laughs> wow. That's better than a taxi story, I feel like. Yeah, that was I, that's one of the ones I, I cringe when I think back at. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, oh man, I can't believe I was that guy. That's so sad. But, now eh. people would be recording it the whole time and live streaming it and shit. Thank God, right? The very last one is uh, never have I ever been reprimanded by hotel security. I absolutely have. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I have. Yeah, who I mean, hasn't? It, yeah. Pissing in the pool, you know. 
My aunt used to tell me that if I peed in her pool, like it would make a circle around me, like with a yeah, chemical yeah, reaction. Yeah. I think everybody mm-hmm. probably got that, but um, yeah. I still peed anyway. So, <laughs> all right, you're living on the edge. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like what that. I can. Awesome. Well, thanks for playing for that game. So, Jiffy, this is the point in the podcast where, in the vein of that cesspool of Facebook, I'm sending you a metaphorical friend request right now through the through the microphones. And so, Logan Cummins has sent you a friend request. Do you accept it or delete it based on our our conversation and time we've spent together? I absolutely accept your friend request. Although I'm not on the social media, so you'll have yeah. to reach out to me other in other ways. Yeah, I'll send a letter. Yes, uh, please. I, we can be pen pals. <laughs> With a check. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, like a 10-day check cashing policy. No problem. So, I'm, yeah. I'm at the bank every week. That's amazing. my Starbucks. That's Going amazing. to Ace Hardware. Um, uh, no problem. Well, for people that are listening at home, I know that you're not on the social media. Is there somewhere that they can uh, find you, support you, watch the stuff that you're working on? Um, how, can they, how can they support you? They can just live their best lives. I love that. Know? No plugs here. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I know it's kind of lame. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I have nothing to plug. You know, do something. Do something nice for somebody. Pay it forward. That's good enough. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. It was so good to see you. Thank and, you for having uh, me. Thanks for accepting my friend request. Absolutely. <laughs> I wouldn't have dared otherwise. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was a fun one. Yeah, buddy. Yep. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fast Friends podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.